Welcome back to Gotch Watch, where we watch Gotchard and give you our thoughts. It has been a while, hasn't it, Salt? We took a little break for the winter, and now we're back. Yeah, last time. What did we do last time, Salt? What did we experience with Gotchard? Uh, I mean, a highlight I remember is the, what's his name, Dark Rider, Dread Rider? That was kind of cool. Dread, yeah. The Dread Rider. Yeah, the Dread Rider took over. That that felt like a, a proper threat and an interesting villain. That's the main thing I remember from last time. Oh, and and we went to the movie park, which was like had some ups and downs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We have yet to re-experience the high of the pro wrestling episode. Yeah, and I was thinking about that a lot while while watching the episodes for for this this episode. <laughs> Um, but we'll get more into that when we get into that. Anything else you want to say before we hop right in? Because I think we're we can we can just do that nowadays, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So episode thirteen is where we start off this time. Our writer is again Keiichi Hasegawa. Our director is Katsuya Watanabe, who is taking over for Hirofumi Fukuzawa. Um, this is part three of our uh, the gang saves Sabi from being dread. Oh, I, I wrote synopses for these. Can I read my synopses? Oh, you did? Yes. Yeah. Please, please, go All ahead. Right. Uh, these, these will seem really low effort, but only this first one was, and you will get why. Okay. Uh, synopsis for this episode. Can Hotaro and the team free Sabi from the clutches of the Abyssalist sisters who have possessed him with the Dread Rider? Knowing how this show deals with tension, probably. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in that case, you start off with your notes, because I want to hear what you have to say. I dug that it opened on a dream sequence. That was pretty cool, and like yeah. way more abstract and artistic than anything else we'd seen. How did you like that? Yeah, it was really tense, which, you know, I can, like you said, you know, the way the show deals with tension is, uh, it, it leaves a lot to be desired, but that first sequence, I think, really set a good tone for, you know, just the... Um, just the situation at hand and like what's at stake. Mm-hmm. So that was very well done. Uh, it's also the kind of thing that like you can tell that it was Watanabe directing it because you know like when we watched uh, when we watched Kuga, and you had those like nightmare sequences or those sequences with uh, Daguva, right? It it is very similar. Yeah, it's a very similar vibe to that. So, yeah, yeah that, was, some that, that was a good action- start. Yeah, there's some other action that happens here, like after the dream sequence with Hotaro, you know, terror, terrified that he will be able to save Sabi or not. Uh, we do see this, like, alchemist HQ, like the, the superiors with uh, yeah, the Federation, Nato, the teacher. Yeah. Um, it was, like, a decent set, one of the better sets they've had, but not, not much else going on there than just, like, bureaucracy, generally. They, they, they're like, you suck. You shouldn't be running a school. <laughs> You're bad at this. Yeah. We we deny everything that you have to say. We don't care. You're not <laughs> acting in our best interest. Honestly, like, I, I do like bureaucracy like that where, you know, someone or a, a member of the main cast is forced to reckon with the fact that the people that they work for are just useless. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to give the show points, too, because I've said, like, it doesn't have enough world building sometimes. And this felt like a natural extension of world building. Right. Right. Exactly. I have in my notes that, uh, you know, when Valvarad shows up and, like, curses 
the uh, the organization. He says, I said, Libertarian Valverat, of course, hates big organizations and knows age of consent laws around the world. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he does not like these guys. Yeah. Bureaucracy. I, I'm... He's. <laughs> I'm in favor of small alchemy federation. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your hands out of my pockets. Don't tread on my sigils. Mm, ooh, ooh, that's mm, a good mm, one. That's a good like one. That, like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. And then it just. I think a lot of the episode is just the the abyssless sisters assault. They like. They they come after Hotaro at his school, like, and that's that is kind of exciting. But the way they they go about it felt kind of like low effort at times. Like, we see the the white guy teacher attacked, and he kind of stands in a circle and spins around. Yeah, they, they it was oh. like there's the white rough. guy jump scare at the beginning of the episode, and <laughs> then just as quickly he's just yeeted out of the show. Yeah, like I need people to understand when the sisters do dark magic on him and make him spin around, you can see the actor stepping in circles at a very like lethargic pace. Yeah, it feels like something that like would be super super funny in an unintentional way in yeah. like a Showa show. So, right. like I can't begrudge it. It it is really funny. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, the the rest of the episode is really just that the the battle uh, trying to trying to free Sabi. Yeah, um, we've got this sword that uh, Hotaro was given by the UFO X, and I, I this sword's name is so bad. It's called X Gachalaber. Like I, that's so hard to say. That does not roll off the tongue. X got chal like because it's supposed to be a play on Excalibur, right? But right, X like I'm trying to th- I'm trying to see if there's any other place in the word where you can put gotch or gotcha and it would be less bad. X gotch X no 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 it's it's a real <laughs> branding it's... fail you know yeah, they could have just yeah. given it like a new name like the the X gotch sword like that would make more sense or the or if you want to do like caliber right because yeah. if you want to keep caliber you could do X cal mm, never mind we're back to Excalibur <laughs> yeah we're right right there again <laughs> just do Excalibur but take the E off yeah yeah there you go yeah, okay so yeah, exactly. lore question for you. Okay. Shoot. When we see Sabi henshin against his will, he sheds mm-hmm. a single tear as he said henshin. And I thought that was a pretty sick visual. But had that been done before? Like crying? In like a different series? Like what do you mean? Transforming against your will or crying while you're transforming? Specifically the crying while transforming against your will. Specifically the crying. Yes, there have been multiple cases where... You know, people have been crying as they transform, but, like, a lot of the times it's out of anger, I feel. Yeah. You know, like, when they're just raging to the point of tears, and that's how they, you know. But I think this is the first time, because this is also one of the first times where we've had someone transform against their will, and it's not, like, a generic writer. Like, we had it last season where, you know, we had people that were transformed against their will, but that was more like a... It was one of the generic, right? Again, you watch Geats and you'll understand. But, um, yeah, this is the first time 
a writer's transformed while crying under these specific circumstances. Right. It was interesting. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I uh, think conceptually, just having... It is an interesting concept. You know, just the idea of hijacking someone and forcing them into the fight um, as, right. you know, like this evil writer. Uh, but this is the second episode where we have this happen and i feel like with a bit more time and space it could have been even better mm-hmm. like i'm not sure how long they could have stretched this out or like specifically sabi being taken over i don't know how much longer they could have actually stretched that out but i like the idea of of like having this writer who is more or less just a vessel mm-hmm. for the 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 sisters and their plans yeah no, it's 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 a it's a concept. It, there's things going on here. Um, I've given a lot of notes, and I, I do have a little more to say. But let's. What do you have? Uh, let's see. I think the best choreo from this episode goes to Valverad. Mm-hmm. And like it's hands down because I've noticed that the reason why I why I've been liking Valverad's choreo a lot more than Gotcher's choreo is that he actually gets right up in Dread's business. Like, Gotcher does... Whenever Gotcher fights, it feels like it's from a distance. Mm. Well, you'll see this in every episode that we... You know, every episode that we're talking about today, uh, aside from, like, some specific cases, where he has these powers where he can reach out without actually having to get close to them. You can, you know, lash out. Like, when he had the lightning jungle power-up, he would just do the tesla coil forest from a distance or in episode 16 when he's like you know he's using it to reach out to the orochi amalgam and you know it's basically just cgi but like i feel like the cgi wouldn't be a problem if he was getting up in their business yeah that's an interesting point there is an especially cool move with valverad and the dread rider where like uh one of them's on their back and he like sticks his leg up and the other one does this like cartwheel over the leg it was, it was like an assisted aerial cartwheel it was very cool like pro wrestler type fighting move yeah yeah and I, like it's weird because gotcher should be having those kinds of fights especially in right. the steam hopper mode right like that's a suit where you're he's supposed to be up in their business kicking kicking the the ever-living lights out of them I'm glad you mentioned that, because in, in this four episodes and the last few before this, I feel like we barely saw the Steamhopper fights at all. Right, right. Like, there is, I feel like there's a, a mandated Steamhopper fight every episode, because there has to be. And then mm-hmm. there's the fight that they actually do want to do, which is, you know, the new form or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get a new form this episode, and I, I do want to talk a bit about that form. Um, actually, UFO X. What are your thoughts on this suit? I hate it so much. I wrote, <laughs> uh, worst new suit, forget everything I said about other suits, this one is the most ass. I, I, I despise this suit. I tried coping myself into thinking like oh you know what there, there's parts of this that work and the furthest i could get was that the ufo inside his head that was cute like he has a little alien on his head on his forehead if you look closely but man this suit was just not made for sword play at all like the issue this yeah. goes for both of the the x form suits is like they're not made for sword play 
they're very big, bulky suits. And I think in the case of X-Rex, which we'll see in the next episode, um, it's much better for like actually fighting with like, it's not meant for a sword is what I'm trying to say. And yet yeah, the for dude both can barely forms, move his shoulders around. Exactly. Like when you have these big globules on your forearms, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work, especially if he's not using them as a shield. Like that, that's right. the other thing is like, you can, if you have one UFO on one arm acting as a shield, that would be all right. I'm like, all right, cool, fine. But when the sword hand also has this big chunky UFO on it, it just doesn't look good, and it really restricts the amount of movement you can get out of good, like it restricts the amount of good sword play you can get out of the fight. It's baffling too because they clearly hired some kind of fencing consultant. Yeah, it, it's 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 decent fencing work, but like, wh- why not do that with a suit that the actor could move in? It, it's just it make it makes me so mad. It's one of those things where. You know, it feels like the toy makers weren't really thinking about that part when they were designing the toys. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, a sword that can transform into an attachment for the driver. That's really cool. Uh, big honking UFO, UFO form, you know, that's good for a toy. But they didn't think about how those two toys would interact, like, when they're actually used in the show. Right. And so what you're left with is him sort of clunkily moving around, waving the sword around before he's forced to, you know, rethink his strategy and then do that really, really bad CGI finisher. Yeah, those CGI finishers all have this, like, common trait where, like, as soon as they happen, I forget what I just watched. Yeah, and it really takes me out of it, too. Like, it's not like the fight beforehand was the greatest thing ever, but when you go from that fight into, like, him... Like, it is quite literally a 3D model of him spinning around. Like, if you, like before, with the, the white guy spinning around, it was funny. But with this, I was yeah. just in shock and awe at just how bad. Like, and I can't begrudge the VFX workers. They're probably being overworked and, you know, being given this shit at the very last minute to finish. Right? But it, it really takes me out of it. It really does. Yeah, we've talked about concept versus execution. You can have a decent concept and bad execution. I think this is one where the concept... Exactly. It was fails from concept. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, my only other note for this episode is that... And this is something I should have said back in like episode one, but he learns to use the Excalibur through a vision that he gets from the driver. And I it really made me realize that like this doesn't have the same mechanic juice as other belts that have done the same thing before, like a uh, point of reference that you understand zero one when he has like the, the learning program inside the uh, zero yes. one driver, right? That's so cool. Like, it, it just doesn't have the same energy. Yeah. I think because with that, it feels cohesive in the show. Like all those ideas are strongly related. We're talking about, AI, machine learning, virtual reality, like, all of that kind of fits within that universe. This show just, like, threw up its arms and said, aliens, I guess? And King Arthur's sword. I think there is a way to make the visions work, though. Like, that's the the thing that pisses me off, is, like, you can make the whole idea of, like, visions and, you know, like, previous users using it. Like, you could have made that work. um, Yeah. But the way we get it just feels very... 
like hand wavy, I suppose, mm-hmm. in the yeah. way that uh you know, he's learning these things. Yeah. Yeah, and this was actually one of the better episodes of this chunk, so uh Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's we're just going starting at the top. Production notes this time are very, very short. Um the only thing I wanna note here is that uh they mentioned in the notes that Toei is currently in the process of hiring new screenwriters to add to their stable through their uh training program. And I don't mean to say this uh, to disparage Gotchard, I I just find it interesting because of the recent cycles we've had with uh, new Toei shows. It seems that Toei is at a point where they're trying to get new blood into their shows, but the way that they're shuffling them around, like the demand is moving faster than the supply, and I, I, I see why they have to hire new screenwriters. Like, in the case of producers, for both uh, King Oger, which is the Sentai season that's going on right now, and uh, Gotchard, the producers worked on the two previous shows that came before, uh, or actually they both worked on the same previous show that came before uh, Dawn Brothers as assistant producers before moving on to uh, being full-time producers for their respective shows. And then the head writer for King Oger right now was an understudy of uh, Yuya Takahashi, who wrote the previous Kamen Rider show. So, like, there is a very clear training program. It seems that they're really trying to push for that training program to give them, or, or to keep their writers in supply, especially as the amount of content that they produce per year balloons. Mm. But yeah, that's it for production notes. Episode 14 is again Hasegawa in the writer's seat. We've got Katsuyo Watanabe again in the director's seat. Uh... I want you to do your synopsis, and then I have uh, a one-sentence synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this one, uh, a lot of stuff happens. Uh, Hotaro's mom sends him out with Rin to gather fur branches for the Christmas wreath she's making. A guy at a lake gets eaten by a T-Rex. Rin blames herself for what happened to Sabimaru. Uh, Rin and Hotaro meet the daughter of the guy who got eaten by the dinosaur. Spanner heads to confront the sisters and gets into a fight with one of the sisters who can now channel the Dread Rider. Hotaro also gets eaten by the dinosaur and then meets the first guy in the dinosaur's stomach. Hotaro appeals to the dinosaur's conscience and manages to escape with the dad. The Abyssalus sisters catch up with Rin and the daughter. Gotchard intercepts and gets into a fight with one of the sisters in her Dread Rider guise. Gotchard then takes on the powers of the dinosaur in a cliffhanger ending. So my one sentence uh, synopsis is Hotaro saves a guy from getting vored by X-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. My first, my first note for this episode is vor question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, real departure in tone there. <laughs> this this was the one man that made me wonder like is this show ai written as well like you can have someone listed as the scribe but i don't know what's going on behind the scenes like this just felt so random i think i reserve that for the second part of this two-parter yeah. Uh, this one, I here. Okay, here. Walk with me here, Salt. All right. All right. Let's take a walk. I have a cope here that makes this plot work, and it's recontextualizing <laughs> this episode's plot 
as a Yakuza sub story. <laughs> All right. That makes way more sense, though. It does. Like, imagine Kiryu's walking down Komorocho and he comes across the little girl who's looking for her dad. She says her dad's been missing inside a forest. So he heads into the forest. You know, you learn a bit more about the father as, you know, you, you progress and you find out that he's, he's really into dinosaurs and he really wants to get away from having to be a salary man or whatever. You find out that the dinosaur is actually just a bunch of ragtag teenagers trying to get a have some fun, you know, prank prank the dad. Yeah, Builds a make puppet fun in the forest with sticks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you know it, it ends with Kiryu beating the shit out of the teens, and then saving the dad, and the dad realizing that oh, I need to be with my daughter or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. way better than what we got. <laughs> I love that. That's fun. Yeah. See, it's Gotchard is watchable when you cope. If you can cope, (laughs) a better situation for the story at hand. Gotchard is a very watchable show. Yeah, you just have to take on the role of script doctor for every episode. Yeah, exactly. Or just recontextualize every show or every episode as a uh, Yakuza sub-story plotline. Now, you have a note here that is on the same wavelength as me, because I was equally confused, about Rin. Can you can you read this? Yeah, so I noted that Rene thinks that this is everything is her fault, and but the thing is, she hasn't really done anything in the show, like, period. Like, there's nothing to warrant her... Like, I, I understand that she, she feels like she's not doing enough, and that would make sense, you know, like, oh, I feel like I'm not doing enough, but it's weird to, like, flip that and then go further with it and say that, you know, everything that's happened up until now is her fault, all because a nine-year-old told her that it was. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, it's totally unwarranted. Yeah, and, and like, that's, I don't know, I, I, there's no real way to critique that without sounding like that one Reddit post where it's like, oh, why didn't Batman call the rest of the Justice League? Is he stupid? Like, <laughs> like I run well, the risk of saying that when I talk about Rene in this case, but... I think it's less that and more so that they use that as this springboard to, like, have her and Hotaro do this, like, sort of pinky promise type thing. Like, oh, I promise to be stronger. I promise to be better. But, like, they're doing that off of the back of an event that didn't play out the way they said it did, which makes it very confusing. It it, it feels like the conversation they're having and, and Rin talking about this being her fault, it feels like that's playing off of an earlier version of the previous episode's script. It's, in it's so way? strange. Because, like you said, she didn't do anything. Alright, this anything. is your turn to cope. Like, what is this original, what is this earlier version of the script? Uh, she f- sold out her friends. She she got bribed with Fakemon cards and like told the Abyssalus sisters how to how to like take over her friends' bodies. Hmm. Mm. Well, I think the the heart to heart moment itself is good. I think you know just having that moment where Rina and Hotaro can actually bond is good. Uh, but like you said, I think it's what came before that makes it hard to buy into that. Like, it's the same issue I think I had with episode four is like, that's a good moment in a vacuum, but it doesn't feel like the right time in the show for it to happen. Whereas here, it feels like the right time in the show for it to happen, but it doesn't feel like the events surrounding it 
are in the right order, I guess, or just didn't happen in a way where it feels right. Oh, that's completely how I feel about it. Yeah. 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 This but is, enough about this is a... or good. <laughs> enough about what? <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like enough about Rene and Hotor. Let's talk about how Spainer's been losing nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, he's just getting his ass kicked at the start of every episode. It's kind of sad to see. I mean, I do like it when he gets his ass kicked by Lachesis, because there's a, there's a good, like, y- you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fun seeing her step on him. <laughs> you don't need to psychoanalyze right. that, but, you know, All right. it is. Yeah, nothing to see it, here, folks. Right. I'll, all I'll say is that it becomes much more annoying later on, and... Yeah. Yeah. I think this episode really upset me with just, like, how bad the graphics were in a general sense. And and I'm using graphics very purposely here, because you've got the super low-poly dinosaur. It just feels like a red Tyrannosaurid knockoff. So that there's that, this, like, monstrosity, and not the cool kind of monstrosity. I've I've gotten the notes here. The the girls, Rene and the little girl, are like green screened over the forest in this shot. No reason they couldn't be in the shot itself. Uh, it's but, not the first time it's happened. I feel like that's one of those things that they might have reshot afterwards, and they just didn't. It have stinks the time of to reshoots, and yeah. and like the halos, the little green halos around them are just. Oh like, yeah, the, the 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 aberrations are definitely. Uh, that's the one thing they've never been able to fix with their uh, compositing <laughs> is like the the aberrations and. You know, like the the halos around it. You're never going to get a fix for that. Yeah. And then when they uh, have to escape, like, Rene pulls out this submarine card, and it's, it's like a static JPEG. They've lowered the opacity on it. They, like, compose that on top of the girls, and then they group the layers together, and they, like, move and shrink them and throw it into the water. Like, it, it looks incredibly lazy. So the, all three of those things, the green screening, the JPEG, the, the poor CGI, I, I just, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't believe how, how bad this was. And there was more bad CG to come in this episode. Yeah, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. So this is meant to be Hotaro's big power-up, you know? Like, he's getting his second level 10 suit. And when he, like, uh, has a heart to stomach. Let's say I was gonna say heart to heart, but it's it's heart to stomach. Uh, yeah, with the dinosaur. Yeah. yeah, the the dinosaur like unvores them, and like dinosaur gives him the chemi power, allowing Hotaro to to take on an, a nut, yet another new suit form. And rather basically, than, we like, find out that X Rex gets to know people by voring them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then rather than, like, getting kind of the expected, like, swirling stuff, as it were, around, like, an expected henshin sequence, you get this, like, really protracted, like, you know what, it reminds me of, like, like in Super Smash Brothers or a fighting game, when you see, like, how the character arrives to the stage, like, you see, mm. like, Gotchard, like... Brachiating through a forest, like swinging on branches and stuff. It feels like it takes five minutes, but it's probably only twenty seconds. You know what and it reminds like, me of? Yeah, what? It reminds me of a Power Rangers specific transformation sequence. Like I'm talking specifically, yeah. like a a 2010s, 
you know, like where they have to like go put on each part of the, uh, the outfit on, you know, and then it finally does the, like, it's so, so long and it's crazy. Because they use the same animation (laughs) two more times. Two more times in the next episode. The exact same animation. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, it's got a good energy. You know, I'll give it that. um, (laughs) And then it happened again and again, and I was just like, holy (laughs) crap, are you guys trying to buy for time or something? Yeah. Well, we get that crazy CG sequence at the end of this episode, and you don't even get to see the new suit. They just go out on on that on that on the henshin, and then boom, you're done. On to part two. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, this is rough. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. It is rough. We also get like uh, I mentioned before that X Rex gets to know people by digesting them, and we get this uh, quick little lore drop that Hope Hotaro and Hopper One apparently knew each <laughs> other. Right. Right. When he was young. Why is that necessary? Why is that in there? So, uh, it's, it seems like that's going to be a plot line that they are going to follow up on in uh, next month's episodes. So, right. Salt, if you want to keep watching. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we do production notes for this episode? Nah, let's get it. Production notes. Alright, uh, so they offhandedly mentioned that the Winter Crossover movie, which... We'll, we'll definitely have things to say about later on, but uh, they started planning that back in July of 2023. Keep that in mm. the back of your head. So it's funny that you mentioned that X-Rex looks like a off-brand Tyrannosaur from Power Rangers. Because they mentioned that when designing the cross X-Rex super Gotchard suit or whatever it's called, they specifically looked to future robot Daltanius as well as Abba Ren-O from Abba Ranger. For, for those of you at home, that's what got adapted into Dino Thunder, the Power Rangers season. So you did get the Tyrannosaur part right, uh, just not the right season. <laughs> yeah. I just meant that yeah. in like a generic observation, just like what your average person would see. Yeah, it is funny though. Like, they, they do... They say that they chose those two specific uh, influences because of the head on the chest. Right. But the end product reminds me more of Gurren Lagan, if anything. I see that, yeah. Yeah, like with the cha, you know, the, the, the big chompers around the, uh, the waist. Uh, the suit itself was designed by Hideki Tajima, who we've mentioned in previous episodes. I believe he's, he was the guy that designed... Uh, remember when they did text whenever they would do alchemy? And they, you know, you had that screen full of text? Yeah. Remember that? Good times. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> They also explicitly mention uh, Freud's theory of learning through eating when they talk about <laughs> X-Rex <laughs> yeah, learning sure. about people through boring them. Um, and then my final note here, and I think the most impressive uh, bit of information here, is that Yuya Nawata continues to play Dread uh, even as it passes from user to user. So wow. when Makisas uses it, when Clotho uses it, and when Sabi uses it, that's all Yuya Nawata playing those three characters as though they were inside the suit. I figured, but that's really cool to have that confirmed. Like, that's yeah, it's really always impressive. cool to see suit actors, like, like to see this confirmed about suit actors. You know, like, the, the whole thing is that they're supposed to know how to move as these characters, but, like... 
three in a row is really impressive. Yeah. Oh, he was zero one suit actor. That's pretty yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. All right. So episode fifteen, same writer director, uh, because it's just part two of episode fourteen. Do you have a synopsis for this? I do. Uh, Gotchard, now in his X-Rex form, squares off against the Dread Rider. There's hostage shenanigans, with the dad-daughter duo being threatened by the sisters. The smallest sister does some mind games on Rene again. Rene finds her inner strength, and the good guys get the upper hand on the sisters. Hotaro defeats the Dread Rider, and the next day, the big Christmas party happens at Hotaro's mom's restaurant. So you said that the last episode was the messiest episode yet? I think this was the messiest episode yet. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 arguable. It's I mean, it's a two-parter. Like they they kind of feel yeah. like one long episode. But yeah, this one is worse in many ways. What what stuck? What like struck out to you is like just so bad in this one. It just feels like a mess. It feels like they forgot a lot of what happened in the first part of the episode, and it feels disjointed as a result. It feels like they kind of just threw out a lot of the the crux of the plot uh, from the first part of this episode. There is quite a few good things in here, like uh, the fact that they remember to give Clotho kicks in her choreo when she transforms into to Dread, and you know the the latter fight between the X-Rex form and Dread is actually fairly good. There's some good choreo going on there. But yeah, there's just so much happening in this episode, and it just moves from thing to thing without actually actually allowing itself to stop and sort of dwell on anything. And yeah, just the way it ends, right? Like yeah. the, the main fight ends almost halfway into the episode, and then the rest of the episode is like denouement. And just set up for the movie for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So just a total mess. Just a total mess. I, I want to bring up the thing that made me so angry. And it was, you know, they, they did the thing where it's like, oh, he's got the new suit, but he hasn't actually like fully tapped into the power of it yet. Like, you know, that's a thing that's come up before. Right. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And, he, you know, he he's... He's like listening to the voices. He's he's like really getting like rooted into it. And then they did the common writer Ichigo callback. Like oh, God. I, why? Jesus. Why is that happening? There's no reason for that to be there. There is no, no. reason whatsoever for that to be there. <laughs> that was offensive. It baffled me. It baffled me so much. Yeah, so what what happened there is he's saying like I can hear this it's like it's like a wind turbine and then you know they pull up the Ichigo belt behind him and like it, it, it's it's so weird. It's it it has nothing to do with that suit, nothing to do with anything that's happened in the show. There's been no nods towards Ichigo or any of that world up to this point. It's just the it's closest just there. you get is like the Ichigo helmet. Right. Thematically appearing in Steamhopper's helmet, but that's it. Right. It just, it, it, yeah, that moment it makes was no sense. Really, yeah. That, that moment really felt like, oh, we are treading. No, we're not treading. We are drowning. We are, we are out of ideas at this <laughs> we point. We are floundering. We are trying to keep our head above water. Ichigo, <laughs> save me. Save me, Ichigo. <laughs> Takeshi Hongo, please save me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like baffling that, moment. That, 
that really put the cherry on top for just how thematically and just tonally scattered this episode felt. Yeah. Yeah, I I felt like they had fought in this park before, too. Like, speak of scattered, like, are are you just out of locations already? Like, I don't know, it just, it looked so similar to a a fight in an earlier episode. No, this one was, I I think this one was a new set, though. I think this is one of the few cases where places in Japan look similar to each other. I'll have more to say about that later, but I, I... Ooh, there, so there was one other thing that it's like it's like a little thing, but mm-hmm. during the fight, Dread Rider punches Gotchard in the stomach, and it's the center of these huge dinosaur mandibles, and like to have the jaw, the upper and lower jaw, like be the entire front piece, like have those teeth do something. Like I feel like a better show would have had the jaws like chomp down on the hand, something like that, right? It's just salt. It, do you want to hear some good news? What's up? They do end up doing that, but you have to uh, wait three episodes. He's trying so hard to keep me locked in. <laughs> Salt, I swear, I swear they do the things that you wanted to do. You just got to keep watching, I swear. Now. Now. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't very inspired choreography. Yeah. Anything else for this one for production notes? Uh, Yeah, we'll talk production notes because... <sighs> okay, so... This is happening, uh, I believe, the week before the winter movie for Gotchard premiere. So the winter movie is usually the crossover movie between you know the then-current season of Kamen Rider and the previous season of Kamen Rider. In this case, it's Gotchard and Geats. Usually, these crossovers are not canon. They don't really have any bearing on the show. But for some reason, they decided that of all the movies they do, this, for some reason, is the one where they decide to to actually have it impact the show. And so they mention that in the production notes. They say that this is the first movie since uh, the Den-O movie, I'm Born, where the show and the movie's plots are canon and weave into and from each other. And remember Kugimiya, the inspector from like four episodes ago? Yes. The guy like watching from the, he's always like he's always like cleaning Shining his ring. His, right. You remember how we talked about how we wanted him to do more and we felt like he it, didn't really have much to do in the plot of the show? Yeah. It's because his entire presence was to advertise his role in the movie uh, where he has where he's one of the main players in the movie. I see. And that's why he shows up in this episode at the very end with the ex-wizard Malgum or cross-wizard Malgum. Pretty sure it's ex-wizard. Um, it's because he is a main player in the movie. And so when they hired Motomiya, you know, the guy that played him, they told him that this was the case when he was given his scripts for episodes 11, 12, and now 15. They so he knew that he, in exchange for doing the movie, he would have to star for like three minutes in each of these episodes. Huh. And then and then from that point onwards, uh, they they mentioned in the notes that the movie will impact the show, as we will see in episode sixteen. <laughs> Interesting claim. So I will support this claim. By uh, giving a, a little bit of what happens 
in the movie. Uh, so you in didn't the movie, see it though, hope, right? No, I didn't see it. So everything yeah. I'm saying is going off what I read online, um, and also just what happened in the show because they do reference it. So in the movie, he captures five or six. Of, no, wait, hold on. So these he already has two of the level t- ten chemis. He captures six more level ten chemis in the movie. So going into episode sixteen, he is in possession of eight level ten chemis. Keep that in mind. Okay, in the movie. Rene debuts as a common writer. Okay. I have thoughts about that with in regards of what happens to episode 16, but, but keep going. And then, oh, Kugimiya, the inspector guy, is revealed to be evil. And the whole reason why he's doing what he's doing is because he had beef with the protagonist of the previous show. Hmm. Yeah, so that was the movie. Uh, <laughs> Great. Episode 16. <laughs> Yeah, I totally uh, forgot to write a synopsis for this one. Oh, I thought you said I totally forgot to write a synopsis for the movie. I'm like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so episode 16, it's uh, Hiroki Uchida writing this episode. It's Takayuki Shibasaki directing this episode. And uh, I do have a short synopsis. Don't worry, Celta, I've got you covered. Uh, it's Ooh. Hotaro Ruins Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> And also, Garyon and Daybreak Gotchard show up. You know, he ruined Christmas last time, too, because he forgot to get the, the fir branches. I'm, I'm just saying, this, this, this dude's no good at holidays. Yeah, very anti-Christmas, anti-Yuletide uh, anti show we got here. That's right. Uh, do you want to start with your notes? Yeah, um, it's, it's baffling that we are still on Christmas, because what I'm used to in shows that do not revolve around Christmas is you do a Christmas special and then you move on. It's really weird that we're doing a second Christmas special. I don't know. Is that weird to you? No, no. You see, the last episode was a pre-Christmas special. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? it was a Christmas prep special. It's very weird to go, like, Christmas special, movie, another Christmas special. Like, was the movie set during Christmas, too? Like... Uh, I don't... I don't... That would be a lot of Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, it's the other way around. They're actually super pro Yuletide. <laughs> yeah. They're very Santa-pilled. Speaking of yes. Santa-pilled, we find out this episode that Kajiki isn't Santa-pilled, which is like the, the biggest revelation in this entire episode. Nothing else major happens this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, right, it's so a it's... real real nothing burger towards the end. Uh, sorry, until the end. Until the I end. mean... Just like on a, a more general note, like the the Lacassas sisters are like stomping around their like lair. Wait, in the, the what sisters? How do you say it? It's the uh, ab- uh, Where did I get Lacassas? I don't know. Abyssal. Because Lacassas is one of the sisters. Oh, okay. All right. I forgive myself. Um, they're stomping around their lair, and I, I, those scenes just feel so vague all the time. Like I'm not sure what they're ever talking about. It, it it's really good feels... vibes. It's good vibes. You know, <laughs> they really good. got the vibes down pat. Yeah, I mean, it, those scenes have maybe some of the better photography in the show. I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, yeah, there's this stuff with the movie they reference. I, I think what's really upsetting about the movie is Rene supposedly got a writer for him, and then she just gets, like, murked at the start of this episode. She just <laughs> She's just out. <laughs> She like, got a she got Jean Grade. 
I use yeah, my powers yeah. too hard and I have to to rest. <laughs> it's like in many ways it's like the movie didn't happen. Yeah, it's weird cuz it's like how do you handle her re-debut in the show? Right? Yeah, cuz have her get like frozen like everybody else. So cool. Like it's weird cuz when you debut someone in show, you know, you remember that like for instance, I'm going to use I'm going to keep using 01 cuz that's the one you've seen. Like yeah. when Vulcan debuts in the show. Right? Like there there is a whole thing surrounding that, right? And so you 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 have that memory of that happening or when uh a Thouser debuts in the show, right? Like there you remember the episode that happens. The memorable part where she gets the power is not going to happen in the show. <laughs> Whatever happens in the show is just her getting to use her powers again, not getting to use her powers for the first time. So I, I'm I'm at a loss. <laughs> I'm at a loss for for how they can make that satisfying. Just period. <laughs> Just yeah. period. Because, like, it's so weird that they relegate that to the movie. Like, why yeah. did you need to do that? Like, you have... Because right now, they're focusing on Valverad getting his own common Rider form, right? And that's what they're building up to. And, you know, that's fine, right? Sure. Why couldn't Rina get the same treatment? Is it because she's a woman? Is that why you have to give her the premium Bandai toy? Lock all the female toys behind premium Bandai? I'm going to say you hate yes. little girls. What do you hate little girls, Toei and Bandai? Well, the answer also, is yes. I, I, yeah. I, I never understood, like, if Alvarez's not a common writer, what is he? Uh, so <laughs> there was a while <laughs> in the very beginning where uh, in one of the notes, I think they said that he was a masked warrior, which literally translates to <laughs> common warrior. Common writer, yeah. So people were going around calling him <laughs> common warrior Valvered. <laughs> But that's yeah, just not the case. He is just Valverad. <laughs> he's just a guy. He's just a guy. But now he's going to get his own driver, right? So he's going to be common rider Valverad. Great. Very cool. Um most of my the majority of my notes I have for the rest of this episode are about um just aesthetics. Aesthetics. Uh, yeah, there's this other a second Gotchard shows up. What's I I called him Flaming Gotchard. Does he have another name? He so yeah, he's called Daybreak Gotchard by all the uh, official uh media of the show, I guess. Production has called him Daybreak Gotchard. Uh the Twitter calls him Daybreak Gotchard. I'm sure if there's going to be a toy, it's going to be Daybreak Gotchard. So that's what we're calling him here. Well, well other sorry, than the fact can't call that he's Flaming Gotchard. <laughs> I'm going to call him Flaming Godger. Just do watch. I'm um, not calling him X. I'm not. <laughs> uh, other than the fact that his cape looks like it costs $2, cool suit. I like it. One of the first suits I really liked in this show for Godger. I find that really funny just because it is literally just a color swapped version of the regular Steam Hopper suit. Yeah. There's no, that's, no that's... other change except for the, for, except for the cape. And the oh, colors. I know. It, 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 I think it's it's just like the patterning. I don't know. The way the colors break up across it are, are good. I think that original Steam Hopper is like a little too busy for me. Would Do you think that Daybreak Gotcher would hit the same for you without the flame patterns? Oh, if it was just like block orange or block red? Yeah, like that shiny flaming orange. 
I don't know. Maybe. Because that's the one thing I've been thinking about is with Steam Hopper, like, I, I still can see that it's a good suit, but I'm wondering, like, if it was closer in color to either Ichigo or just green in general, would it have gone over better for you? I think it's Like, less... if it was that same teal as yeah. Ichigo, do you think maybe? maybe. I mean, light blue is an odd choice. I think it's just that there, there's too much going on with, with the suit. And with the way they've colored it with the, the Daybreaker, it looks more unified. Like, the the Steamhopper suit has all this, like, bright, like, the, the, the bright blue. And it has, like, all these rivets and stuff. And then there's these orange sections that look completely... Like, there's there's too many ideas going on, right? Like... To do, he's a train and he's a grasshopper and he's the common rider is like a lot of things. Versus with the Daybreaker, it's like this dude's just fire. I mean, he is still a hopper and a steam liner, though. Like that's that's what I'm getting at. Is like <laughs> you it's can't, still, can't deny that <laughs> it's still the same concept as steam hopper, just with but, different colors. <laughs> but all, like, all, all I notice is the flames. I don't. I don't notice all. The- other crap on him i just see fire i'm like all right so what I get you're getting it. at so what you're getting at salt is color theory is important <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> yeah no that's fair that's fair color theory is important um speaking of secondary gotcha drivers and other gotcha drivers i do want to talk about uh this thing that's being teased here which is valverad's uh driver right we get to see hit we get to see it under development because we're introduced to Valverad's uh, mentor, Kyoka, in this episode. And I have been thinking about like what that means for the way that this show sees being a common Rider. Because remember, early on, we're told that the gotcha driver is one of a kind. It's supposed to be this key that opens some gate or something, right? And Except it, now it isn't. Right, and even if this is a replica of the Gotcha driver that Kyoka is using to develop the Valverad driver, right? It kind of... I don't know, it's weird. It I don't know if it necessarily cheapens the Gotcha driver being a unitary thing. Like, like it is a branding thing, I guess, if you think about it. You know, when when you have, like, this proprietary item... And then people come up with their knockoffs, right? Like, does that make the original thing less important? Or do the knockoffs feel more like knockoffs than usual? Because the point I'm getting at is, like, the gotcha driver is supposed to be this very important thing. Does everyone having a modified version of the gotcha driver reduce that importance? Like... Uh, Rene's driver is also a modified gotcha driver. Yeah. So that's something I, I've had to contend with. And and then Daybreak Gotchard's gotcha driver is just a red version of the gotcha driver. And <laughs> it feels like the, the show might be losing sight of what it wanted to say early on. Yeah, I would agree with that. No, what were you going to say before, though? Well, I, I think of it a little bit like... Um the lore in something like Ultraman because, and I'm making the Ultraman comparison because the earlier common writer stuff is like a little all over the place in terms of like bringing all the writers together. But like right. in Ultraman, the first show, he's this like 
solitary being of light. And then, you know, you go to Ultra 7, it's like, oh, there's actually another guy. And then and then there's another one and another one, right? And they did that a little bit, you know, with Kamen Rider Ichigo, Nigo, and V3, but, like, it's it just keeps going in Ultraman until it's like, no, these guys are all a family, and they come from this planet, and you're going to see this planet. Like, the the way you go from, like, this is a really special thing to, like, oh, there's other ones, too, to then, but that's, like, that's fine. That's, that's, that is what's cool about it is you make it feel cohesive. And I don't know how cohesive this show feels. Well, Saul, you're just going to have to keep watching to see. <laughs> I just got to keep watching. Uh, that's how they get you. You want to see how cohesive these gotcha driver variants are? You're going to have to watch the show <laughs> to find out. Uh, my last note for this episode is, like, the the villain, like, could have been really cool. Like, it's this <laughs> this snake that pops out of the clouds and just goes, Bah! And, like, Oh, I love that, people. by the way. Does the fact that they used an actual puppet... Well, the puppet yeah. is just the arm of the, you know, amalgam yeah. suit. But, like, the fact that they actually did hand puppet a Kemi for this week was fantastic. Oh, that was awesome. That that was so surreal and and great. Just that it pops out of the clouds. Blah, you're frozen. Goes away. Comes back in another part of the city. Love that. So cool. But then to go from that to like it's just a generic Kemi with like the most lethargic or amalgam. It's a, it's like really lethargic fight choreography on a roof. Just like oh, you you went from this really cool weird idea to just like another boring fight. Yeah, it has such incredible energy when it was just the puppet. You like, you had that right. part where Rene shoots the fucking sun at it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, th- th- that is fun. It's great. Like, that's the kind of energy I want out of the show. Where it is, like, you can see the more campier elements of Tokusatsu in there. You know, like, yes, you are right. fighting a giant puppet in the sky. Um, yeah, love that. Yeah, like I, it leaves me wanting. Like it's 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 so apparent that this show is on the doorstep of actual greatness, but it never seems to want to invite itself inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't note that when Daybreak shows up, I, I said, "Holy shit, it's the cooler Gotchard." <laughs> yeah, he's like ultra competent. Yeah, like uh, yeah, it's something. Anything else before we? Get the production notes here. Production notes. All right. So the production notes here is that Gotchard or Daybreak Gotchard, I'm already flubbing myself here, uh, is played by Kosuke Asai, who previously played Kamen Rider Saber from Kamen Rider Saber, Kamen Rider Vulcan from Zero One, and most recently, Don Momotaro in Avataro Sentai Dawn Brothers. Uh, really good suit actor. I think his material here is. For for me, it was pretty good. I think even despite the fact that he was fighting an opponent that was so lethargic, uh, I think Daybreak himself has a good energy. And then the only other note I hear I have for the production notes is that they give a bit more insight into Kiyoka uh, and the fact that she's like a former Alchemy Federation alchemist who just works pro bono for Spanner, <laughs> and that she's been giving him the orders all along. All stuff that's in the show, and but, it, and it yeah. should be noted she's in a regular garage which is so funny like they've they've had to conjure up pun intended all these kind of like occult sets for the various alchemy uh parties she's in a normal garage just a very normal ass garage i I think the funniest (laughs) thing is when she has 
like the toolbox and she just yes. puts regular stuff inside it <laughs> instead of you know tools no for a second i thought that was like is this the tachibata racing club like what's going on here yeah i do hope we get to see more and more of kyoka as as the show pro- progresses but we'll have to keep watching to find out right salt mm, that word we is doing some heavy lifting well in that case do you want to get to our Final thoughts. I want to do two notes here for my final thoughts, and I'm going to pass it off to you, because I think that'll segue sure. into our ending here. My yeah. first note for for these sets of, for, for this set of episodes is that Valverad is such a goddamn chump. Bro hasn't won a single fight in any of the four episodes we covered this episode. Like I said before, it was fun at the beginning when it was Lakisa stepping on him, but now... <laughs> It just feels cruel. <laughs> you know, he should be allowed to have at least one win every now and then to keep things fresh. It's not fair. Like, I get that the the whole point is that they're building up to him becoming a common Rider, but, like, there's better ways to do that. You don't have to keep showing that he's in- inadequate like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my other note here is that episode 16... Feels like a very desperate push to revitalize the show and get viewers to hop back in. Um, so I say that Daybreak is pretty cool, but he's got the stench of here to give Gotchard a power up before um, leaving, right? Like I, I, I don't see Daybreak as a long term addition to the show. Like I'm sure he'll pop up sporadically, but it really feels like he's here to give uh, Gotchard his uh, igniter power up before leaving. Uh, and then they've noted that episode 17 onwards is a new chapter for the show, and they've done a revitalized version of the theme song, now featuring a secondary artist, or secondary band in this case. Uh, and it really feels like the entire branding around this next era of the show, quote-unquote, is the producers are aware that they need a really big push to get people back to watching the show. Yeah, they were like, hey, Hiroshi Tanahashi, can you do a post about this show and how much you love it? <laughs> and NJPW Chacho, can you please post about how you're watching Kamen Rider? <laughs> would he be the Chacho or would he be the Kaicho now? I'm not sure. He is the president. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, I have uh, two notes. I'll, I'll start with my first one. It's, uh, I- I've realized I've watched four other Common Rider series in full before this one. And watching this one makes me realize how much worse the fight scene locations have grown over time. And, you know, that's a very broad statement. I don't mean to, like, indict all all recent shows. But, like, in a lot of the earlier series, you'd see plenty of variation with the battlefield, for lack of a better term. You know, you'd see how actors would interact with the environment and uh and different types of lighting and and you know different elevations and all that like i was just watching a zero one episode today where i was really appreciating the different types of locales they were fighting in but um you know a trend i see even in a show like zero one but but especially here is uh, so many of these fights take op- take place in these like these open fields just big open grass field or like a city square like a little parklet or whatever and there's very little elevation very little like props or environment to interact with besides the floor and it's 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 very um very rote 
I, I think that's part. I think that hugely diminishes like my my enjoyment because like uh, even a show like Zero One, it, it goes a little bit like up and down in quality. Like, and you know, part of it is like COVID. That's that's not their fault, but like, right? I think that's it, one of the big things. Is like I feel like COVID definitely impacted a lot of how they approached location scouting. Like, I like I feel like it has been on a downward trend in general over the yeah. past decade or so, but it feels like COVID really accelerated the way that they, you know, choose their locations nowadays. Right. Or in the case of like King Oger, for instance, which is like 90% soundstage mm-hmm. or 99% soundstage nowadays, I guess. But like it, it feels like COVID definitely had an impact on the way that they looked at how they were producing things. Cause one of the, <laughs> remember how Kuga had all those like huge huge snow fields and those huge locales yeah it's what i kept thinking about <laughs> so that was because of takatera the producer's push and him right. pushing for those big mountains and you know those those huge huge locales got him into trouble when he was producing hibiki these crazy warehouses like it was and awesome. that's the thing is like it, it got to the point where it just wasn't feasible for the production because they were spending more time getting to the sets than actually filming on them, I suppose. Yeah. So for me, it's, I don't know if I would call it an indictment of the show more so just than just acknowledging where the show is at in terms of its production. Definitely something to think on for sure for me. It's something to think on, but it's like, you know, if something has to go, then something else needs to like get better. Right. And so, mm. like, if if they truly are limited by the type of location they can shoot at, then, like, I want to see stellar fight choreography or, like, really artistic lighting or something like that, you know? And and I, I, I it, it just feels, in a general sense, worse. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I feel like action direction is part of it. But... Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I it, I think it'll be interesting as as you watch more and more shows or more <laughs> and more Tokusatsu. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it'll be more interesting as you watch more of this show specifically. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, because you know, like COVID wasn't the entirety of Zero One. It only impacted right. the last uh, ten episodes, I think, thirty-five right. to forty-five. Yeah, last ten episodes of the show, whereas. Saber's entire front half was all well, yeah. Saber's oh. front half was all throughout the lockdowns, right? I see. Yeah, yeah. So that really changed how they were doing everything from transformation sequences to where they were filming, and then you know as Revice and Geats and Gotchard uh, went on, they they slowly started opening up more and more and more, which allowed them to get more experimental, I suppose, with location, but. It really feels like they haven't fully recovered back to where they were at pre-COVID. The other thing is, uh, a lot of these locations are public spots and licensing changes as well. Or, you know, places Mm -hmm. get demolished. There was that one wharf uh, that Toei loved filming at that's just not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, location licensing is like is another thing. It's it's fascinating because for as much as I do want to blame Toei, I really do have to think about a lot of the external factors too. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my main note. Uh, I got one more, but I'll pass it back to you. No, no, 
do do say do say this note because this 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 <laughs> okay, note segues okay. into this is the all of my other notes. <laughs> yeah. So Lan and I had to had to talk after the last episode, and I said, Lan, I got to tap out. I gave this show every chance, but it confounds and upsets me too much to keep going. I so I there there was uh, so you did record what you said after we finished recording because you didn't stop your recording. So I Land do have the recording of. <laughs> I'm not going to post it here, but I, I do have a recording of you <laughs> saying specifically, "I feel depressed when I watch Gotchard." <laughs> Damn, that's so true. <laughs> so do, what does though. that mean for you, Salt? Uh, it means that I, I don't want to hate on it. Like we, we've had great joy watching shitty things and laughing at shitty things. Um, and those things, we just know they're shitty. We, we, the, the, the shittiness is part of the deal. When this feels really shitty, I feel sad because I don't want it to be shitty. We've watched so much amazing common writer stuff movies shows comics and it's it's all been really fun i am not having fun with this if it's it's like it's not bad enough that i can just hate on it and have a good time it's like oh i see how this could be cool but then like lan said it just gets stuck on the doorstep of greatness yeah it feels weird because it feels like we're on the cusp of becoming like cinema wins but for yeah. Gotchard, we're like, we're, we that. have to, we have to point out the good stuff as though we're, we're like trying to meet a quota. It's like, all right, there's five good things we have for this episode. And I don't want it to feel like that. Like we're having to scavenge, I suppose, for, for the good yeah. parts of the episode. So yeah, like it's, just, it's not like for as much as we, it may sound like we're shitting on the show. The show is not bad, is the issue. The show is just not bad enough to for us to to do this on the on the basis of it being a bad show, and the show is not good enough for us to keep covering it on the basis of it being a really really good show. But it's also not like it's also not not good or not bad enough for us to like discuss or keep discussing why it works and why it doesn't work. If that makes sense. Like my my question for you is like what did you anticipate going into Gotchard since you had seen so much more common writer than me? I think for me it was the idea of introducing you to what common writer is nowadays because mm. prior to Gotchard cuz this is before you, <laughs> this is before I found out that you're even going to go watch Zero One without me. Um <laughs> it was, you know, Common Rider Kuga, the original Common Rider series black sun right so i wanted to i think for me i wanted to get you in line with the mentality of watching these shows weekly because binge watching it and watching it weekly are two separate things i think watching it weekly puts you in a different perspective of how these shows operate than having the overall sort of view of the show and you know, getting to experience it in bursts or binging through it. So I, I think that's one of my, my key things with doing this show was like getting you watching or following one of these shows a weekly. Uh, what I also had forgotten at the time was that you were already watching one Toku show weekly, which is a uh, blazer. So yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I, I would watch blazer once a week, but I would watch these in bursts. I hadn't thought about that. And that's the other thing is like, you're not, 
Yeah, like you said, you're watching these in bursts, right? You're not watching this weekly, so you have less space in between each episode. Like, for me, I'm watching them as they come out, right, every week. So I have the time to ruminate on my thoughts for that respective week. Whereas with you, you're you're, you're watching it four episodes at a time. So it kind of feels like, not necessarily an antithesis, but, like, not also entirely what... I wanted, like, I don't know, it's weird, because it's a matter of, like, what I wanted for you to get out of this versus what both of us are actually getting out of it now. Yeah. Um, Not to turn this into, like, a therapy session or anything, but one thing I found interesting <laughs> about what you were saying after, uh, after our last recording was you said that you've watched enough tokusatsu this year in 2023 to know what you like. And I found that interesting because like, I wonder if that's something that can be challenged. Mm. Like I, like one observation, like I've been observing how you've been reacting to Gotchard over these past four episodes, you know, and what things you are glomming onto and what things you are liking versus what things you aren't. And like what you want out of Tokusatsu versus mm-hmm. what it is now for Common Rider. Mm. And that, like the the one thing I keep wondering is like is that something that can be challenged? Is that preconceived notion or notions something that can be challenged? And I don't think Gotcha's going to be the one to do that. But I do wonder if there are other more recent Kamen Rider shows or just Tokusatsu in general that is an Ultraman that can do that. Yeah, possibly. I mean, when I say I know what I like, it's not like I'm only going to seek out that style of thing, right? It's that right. I've seen enough really good stuff to know what the the heights of the genre are. And mm-hmm. I can tell when there's intention in the craft and there's attention to detail. And then, and then in this, it's it's like there are certain parties involved who are clearly doing their best, but there's like just too much disorganization and disinterest coming from Toei at the top to like, let this show really shine. Right. So like, I'm wondering if I, cause I don't want to just like abandon Godred, watch Geats instead. <laughs> but like, I Geats, Geats watch Geats watch. <laughs> Just completely slap over the gotch part of the logo with geese. Exactly. You leave the same G there. <laughs> yeah, we leave the same G there, but it's a geese watch. <laughs> but that's yeah, really I think funny. that's that's one thing I've I've been thinking about a lot over the course of doing this show with you is like for the longest time it feels like I was sort of a guide and in some cases even a curator. Of your exploration into Tokusatsu. And I think that's what made me happy about you watching Zero One on your own volition is that, like, you're going out of your way to experience these things. And you're like, my role in that journey (laughs) has come to an end, I suppose. (laughs) Now there's only one set of footsteps on the beach. (laughs) Yeah, it's because you were carrying me. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that's another thing I consider is, like, for both this and the main show. Right when, whenever I'm coming up with other topics for Toku Thursday, right? Like, what is my, what is my modus operandi? You know, like why why am I choosing, for instance, a Kaider or Garo? Like, what am I trying to? 
I'm just trying to show you a good show or is there something more to it? Right? Like, yeah. Well, there's never going to be any harm in making me watch something really good. And I love Hakaider and I think I'm going to love Garo. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. So I, I did mention binging a show versus watching it weekly. Cause I feel like, especially with modern Kamen Rider, a lot of these shows work better when binge watched than they did weekly. Like, mm-hmm. Again, going back to Zero One as a frame of reference, the entire job competition arc, like, I know you have your reservations with that, but can you imagine watching that weekly? Oh, yeah, that would have been kind of rough. And, like, my skepticism of that was, like, in the middle, and then, like, that was very quickly, like, unfounded skepticism. I actually thought it was one of the best arcs in the show um, by the end of it. But, yeah, I I don't know if I would have enjoyed it the same if I'd been watching weekly. Right, and I think my the last time I rewatched Zero One, I had that same revelation where I'm like, "Oh man, this <laughs> it's it's like the uh, Little Caesars tastes good when you ain't got a bitch in your ear telling you it <laughs> <laughs> like like the job competition arc <laughs> tastes real good when you ain't got a bitch in your ear telling you to watch it weekly." <laughs> and, and and so I I've even with the shows that aren't as good or even the shows that like lean towards being mid even, I feel like I appreciate them more in retrospect, watching it all in one go. Or if it's a show that I do like, I end up liking it more when I watch it all in one go or, you know, like in bursts um, after the fact rather than watching it weekly, which uh, I'm sure there's a deeper point there to be made about like the production of these shows and how, it's just not conducive to the weekly format anymore. But what I'm getting at is like, I wonder if the feelings that you have towards Gotchard can be assuaged or uh, revised, I suppose, by you rewatching the show or binge watching it in its entirety. I I I gotta be completely honest. I I could not see myself rewatching any Godred episodes until that Patreon was making a lot of money. <laughs> like, well, is, you hear that, folks? Pay us a lot of money on Patreon. <laughs> you can keep the show going. Get me to rewatch it. I mean, it, you know, it, one thing I can say that, like, you know, because it, it's always this question of, like, wh- how do you define good or bad, right? Like, it's right. not an objective thing. It's purely based on, like, preference. And, like, I certainly would not fault someone for enjoying this show, right? But, like, when I watch Zero One, since that was the comparison you make, like, the the jobs competition is an arc, but it is also an arc for uh, the... the it, It's an arc for like all of our characters they all develop over that that arc and i i can't really see like how hotaro or anyone in this is really developing they're they're basically they feel like the same characters in episode 16 as they do in episode 2 once we've established all the status quos and like no one really has an arc in common writer 71 but that's fine we didn't have story arc technology yet <laughs> technology <laughs> but you know what i mean like we we have expectations now and and so if you're not going to develop these characters with an arc then you need to be doing something else really special and like make the show really strange or surreal which 
we get like tiny glimpses of that, but overall it, it, it comes off to me as quite careless much of the time. I think that's an interesting thing for me, especially because again, I have that experience on you, right? Like I've seen, like, I don't mean this in a, in a braggadocious <laughs> manner. I have literally <laughs> seen more Kamen Rider than you. So I think for me going into Gotchard, I think it's, it's this idea of like, what can this show do to justify me keeping on watching it. Like I know that this show has not exhausted the entire gamut of possibilities for what they can do with the show. Right. Like, and Geats proved me wrong at a time when I thought that, you know, after revise, I, I just didn't think the show could, you know, get better or, or like do new things or do fresh things. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so I think after Ge- Geats, I had that expectation. I'm like, oh, great. The, the franchise is great again. We can we can finally do new things. We can do fresh things with with Common Rider and what Common Rider is. Right. So I think for me and, and this isn't just for Gotcha, but for what comes after Gotcha is like, especially as, you know, you appeal more and more to an adult collector audience, because let's be real. Kids aren't buying premium Bandai toys. <laughs> Right, like, how do you yeah. keep it interesting for them, the the older audience, too? Right, how do you keep it interesting for Hiroshi Tanahashi? Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's not for me to figure. out. That's for the people at Toei to figure out. Yeah. What it is for me and you to figure out, though? Now, you like that segue? It's hey. figuring out where to go from here. Because this is a turning point for the show. I think. We have to figure yeah, out what the hell we're going to do. Yeah, you wrote some options here. I think you should I've, read the options to the audience. I've got five op- four real options and one option that I thought it was funny to add. The first funny to add option was uh, the show continues and we force Salt to watch, rem- <laughs> watch all the remaining Gotchard episodes, whether or not he likes it for the sake <laughs> of commitment. Otherwise known as the sunken cost fallacy option. Uh, the first real option I have though is that uh, is the fuck sunken cost fallacy option, and just to end the show with this episode. Um, the second option I have is that we find a new co-host to take over for Salt, uh, which is something that I'm gonna have to reach out to people to see if they're interested in actually co-hosting a show with me where we talk about Common Rider Gotchard. Um, so Big shoes to fill, folks. Yeah, you got huge shoes to fill. Uh, yeah, think, option think, three. I was going to say, imagine those big chunky sh- shoes that, that Gotchard wears when he's like the, the lightning jungle. Oh, I look. thought you were going to say something like clown shoes because, you know, you were. Yeah, that's circus. what I meant. <laughs> okay. Same thing. Same thing. Uh, option three is that we take an eight month long break and then we binge through the remainder of the series by this time it ends in August. And then we reconvene for a final fifth episode of the show. So that means no Gotch Watch until August. And in August, we watch through the rest of the series and we do one final episode to, you know, think, just think about the show, essentially. <laughs> and then the last option I have, which I think is uh, the most interesting option, in my opinion, we pivot. We pivot to being a Dawn Brothers rewatch show. And my idea here is that this is going to be Salt's first time experiencing a Super Sentai show and a Toshiki and Noe written and led show that features a lot of the same crew as Gotchard, 
Uh, same idea. It would be a similar format where we have five episodes covered each episode of the show. Uh, and yeah, it would allow Salt to see what I mean when I say that all the people working on Gotchard are capable of doing better work. <laughs> and then if Salt doesn't like Dawn Brothers, we just execute him. <laughs> like if you, <laughs> sorry Salt, if you don't like Dawn Brothers, just die. <laughs> to find out I have good taste or not. Well, if you have a take on one of those takes, make your voice heard. Like, comment, subscribe, send carrier pigeons. We will be putting out polls everywhere. We'll be putting out polls on our Patreon. We'll be putting out polls on our uh, Twitter. I'm not sure if there's a poll option on Blue Sky yet, but uh, even uh, on Instagram, which we apparently still have, uh, we'll we'll make a poll. So if you want to vote on that, uh, please vote at one of the polls found in one of those places. Otherwise, if you want to voice your opinions in another way, uh, you can always just email us or tell us over Discord because uh, our email is midnightgrappleranimals at gmail.com and our Discord is in the description of this episode. So, yeah, before we do that outro script, the next time, will there be a next time? You tell us. Yeah, it's for you to decide. If there isn't a next time, we'll be missing out on more Daybreak, more Valvarad losses, a new version of the theme song, Salt, Majade's Ooh. proper debut in the show, Salt, wow. Common Rider Valvarad's in-show debut, and so much more. So if this is the end of Gotch Watch, uh, we hope you enjoyed watching and listening, actually, because I don't know if you're actually watching this show. Uh, <laughs> listening to us ramble about Gotchard for four episodes. We thank you. Yeah, if you want to support our Patreon where we talk about more tokusatsu stuff, $5, two full bonus episodes of our main show, four episodes a month, one week earlier than the public, including this one, uh, if this keeps going, and then show notes as well. So patreon.com slash animals for that. Otherwise, just let your friends know that this show exists so they can also vote on the show's fate. Yeah, socials in the description below discord in the description below thank you for listening thank you for sticking around for this long salts what do we say at the end of an episode do we say uh gotch watch this space that's yes yes gotch watch this space yeah 